How can I be a sex addict and really not want sex? Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with Real Recovery. How can I be a sex addict and really not want sex? This is going to be a really fun topic today, Brandon. I'm excited. We've got a good guest on. Um, I'm, before we do that, I'm just going to jump in and we got a, a review. This is kind of a big day for us, Brandon. I was just looking on Apple iTunes. We are now at 101 reviews. So we just nice. barely, barely cracked 100 on our reviews. And so this is uh, the most recent one. And it just says, staying stuck or moving through. It says, I loved your episode on healthy boundaries so much, actually. I too have noticed some loud voices from the betrayal trauma community that I'm uncomfortable with, voices that have a lot of influence. My heart aches as I see the damage being done in keeping people stuck in places of heartache and pain. To me, this is incredibly tragic and I value your brave voice speaking out. I hope that people who don't know a better way will hear this episode. I'm off to share. Best wishes for your continued endeavors. Thank you so much. It's, it's so good to hear that feedback. And I, I know for me, Tyler, I'm not going to stop. Um, I'm, in fact, I'm going to step into it even more and more. So I really appreciate that feedback. Yeah, we appreciate your feedback. We appreciate your reviews. And, and the truth is, is Brandon, is that we're continually evolving too. We're getting better as we go. We were terrible compared to where we are now, 10 years ago. And 10 years from now, somebody's going to be looking speak for you, speak for yourself. <laughs> 10 years from now, somebody's going to be listening to these podcasts going like those guys are idiots, but it's the, it's the best, <laughs> it's the best we've got right now. And we're a continue work in progress and we're going to keep, we're going to keep getting better and, and sticking to what we believe. Yeah. So, well, Brandon, we got okay. awesome, awesome guest, awesome question today. Um, Adam, thank you for being willing to come on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, why don't you just kind of jump in and kind of share any background you want to share and then ask your question, then we'll have a discussion. You bet. So um, been a, an addict to pornography and masturbation for 25 years, uh, got married, hid the addiction um, from my wife for eight years, um, didn't have much intimacy in the marriage during that time. I attributed it to acting out on the side and not having enough drive. Um, after eight years, her feelings of being unwanted and undesired um, got her to a therapist. Therapist recognized the symptoms, said, confront him, ask him directly about sexual addiction. I confessed. We've been in recovery three years now, and um, my sexual desire for my wife hasn't increased despite uh, a lot of sobriety um 20 months currently had another bout of sobriety before that but uh so the question is how come with all that sobriety from the addiction i still don't have that sexual drive and desire for my wife this is a good question with it that's kind of we're gonna have to ask you more information to flush this oh, yeah. out um, because a lot of different things could be could be happening 
Um, so uh, here's a here's a question for you, mm-hmm. um, and and you can answer this as much as you want to or not. But how how is the relationship now? Is the relationship good? Is there connection? Is there intimacy? Um, there is. Uh, we've been in house separated for about two years, so we're we're roommates. Um, share all the same stuff, but. As far as intimacy and connection, I would say no to the intimacy connection we're working on. Um, we've been doing couples therapy to try to increase that, okay. uh, but without without knowing that the the intimacy piece of the marriage is something that I want, um, investment into the relationship has waned. So we've kind of gotten out of the couple's relationship until I can figure out my own uh, sexual piece. Okay. Um, my, I guess what I'm trying to kind of tease out here is, um, is this a, a you issue if it's, if it's sexual anorexia, um, or is it a couple's issue where now you're at this place where, cause what I'm hearing is there's not much vulnerability going on between the two of you. It's, it's, you've, you've figured out how to survive together. And so what do you know? You're not ripping each other's clothes off because like, there's not much of a romantic relationship. And just because you think there should be because you're married, um, there there needs to be a foundation and a level of energy, connection, and polarity between the two of you in order for the desire to sex of sex to even be there. That might be a couple's issue. It might be a relational issue. Um, and 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 when there's been betrayal, uh, it can be really hard to start to reignite that and step back into that because both of you have found your safe space and it's easier to survive as as roommates now there could be something completely different going on uh, and or maybe it's a combination um let me ask you this uh when you got married the sexual addiction was already there correct yes Mm -hmm. um did you find that pretty quickly in your marriage that you were avoidant when it came to intimacy and sex with your wife? Yeah. Yeah. It was quick. She said it was night and day from dating to marriage that it just shut off instantly. Um, I didn't notice it as instant, but it was definitely decreased in marriage pretty quick. Did you have acting in behavior? So what I mean by that is well, acting in is, is doing things in your relationship to protect yourself against intimacy and having to be sexual and intimate with your partner. So starting fights um, that you wouldn't normally start, but you want to because you want to push her away. Um, Working late. Working late, bad hygiene on your part, like all kinds of things that that say like, I'm I'm out, right? So um, did you have those types of behaviors going on? Um, I'm very conflict avoidant. Um, so she would try to engage, I would withdraw. So stonewalling, maybe, if anything, um, a little bit of the busybody, not so much working overtime as doing housework. The house is always messy, focusing on doing the dishes and vacuuming. Um, that's that's really what comes up for me is the stonewalling and the chores kind of hiding behind those two okay so really avoiding hard conversations avoiding mm-hmm. working through stuff 
um, mm-hmm. just kind of shutting off and distancing and keeping keeping distant. Yeah. Okay. Um, Tyler, do you have any? I'm kind of dominating this. But, no, no, you're fine. So, so basically, what I think, just so that I can track what you're doing too here, Brandon, right now, is we're trying to flush out what parts of this we might need to take a look at. And the one that you're kind of going after right now is you were checking in on their marriage first. And it sounds like there might be an element of the marriage that's like comfortable at the quiet standoff of being roommates because it's not as terrible as it used to be, but it's livable. The second one is that you're checking in on Adam to kind of see, hey, was this something that happened when when it became real in the marriage? Um, and then the third thing that I'm wondering about is, uh, I'm wondering, you said the sexual addiction was there beforehand. And in a sexual addiction, there's sort of a process that a lot of guys get into where it becomes emotional coping and it becomes something where even the things that you start to see become expectations of what you think sex should be and healthy sex. Um, and I'm wondering if there's an element of that that's going on too, that might even be a physiological thing, uh, that, you know, you have, you heard the story of the gypsy moth? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Let me tell the story of the gypsy moth really quickly. Cause it's going to get to the point I'm trying to get to. It's, you know, when, when the, the gypsy moth was introduced into America, supposedly for the silk trade. And then of course they got away out of the, out of the place where they were supposed to be building silk. And then they started reproducing in these big, massive hardwood trees in middle America. And they're just ruining forests, like destroying forests. And so they didn't know how to control them until a scientist was able to figure out a synthetic form of the female pheromone that they could then either spray into the air or they could put on glue traps. And then that's how they'd catch these male moths. And that's how they're starting to bring the the population down to avoid these forests being destroyed. And over time, what they found is, is that the male moth would get to a point where when put side by side with an actual real female or just the synthetic form of the pheromone, they would often choose the synthetic form of the pheromone over the actual real thing. And um, in a lot of ways, there's something that happens when you're like, get a whole bunch of extra sexual stuff stuff that's really, really high, that expectation shifts, the level of like excitement shifts, the, uh, you know, the attraction piece starts to shift a little bit too. Um, I'm wondering if some of that is also playing a role in these other couple of things that Brandon's checking in on. I could see that. That's, that's certainly why I thought during the marriage that if I got rid of the addiction, that synthetic pheromone, that it would take some time, but then I would recalibrate and then be reinterested in in my wife. And so when that didn't happen, um, even though that's all gone, I thought something's still going on. Yeah. Um, I got another question for you. As we're, we're, we're both Tyler and I are just assessing this, trying to sort it out, right? Mm-hmm. And and so another question is, and you don't have to give any details here, but. Did you have significant trauma um, in your childhood? How was your childhood? Childhood was pretty good. I I don't um, we if there's any sexual trauma or anything, it is incredibly repressed. It's never come up in EMDR or anything. Um, the the most significant abuse I experienced was at my own hand. 
um, with the addiction. So no external abuse or experiences. So I'm not talking just sexual uh, abuse or trauma, but but also just just wounds, um, you know, feelings of abandonment, rejection, um, you know, just just lack of attachment. What was that there in your childhood? To an extent, I don't know how much I mean, every child feels some, I think. Uh, we had a significant move when I was uh, nine or 10, and that was just a year before I started getting into self-medicating for disconnection. Um, we, I was known as a goody-goody uh, through mm -hmm. elementary and middle school, and so I was kind of bullied a little bit for that. And, um, and so, that, so there was a lot of people-pleasing going on, having to put up a certain face and... Um, so most of the wounds are from that aspect of I'm only loved if I'm portraying the right. Image. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you're listening here, this is the Betrayed, the Addicted, and the Expert feed. And we sure appreciate you following us and listening here. We want to let you know that we have moved to Real Talk Recovery. If you'd like to complete the episode, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, any place where there's podcasts, Real Talk Recovery, or you can go to realtalkrecovery.com. Thanks again for all of your support.